Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. It's the beginning of the end. Da, da, da. Final season begins. That angers me that he can't fold that pizza. I had the same note. Wait, do you but, not like that part of the movie? Because no, that's, no, that's no, no, the no. movie. No. I thank God every day I know the lyrics to enter the same man. <laughs> after brutal dumping. No, that sounds terrible. <laughs> after, <laughs> after I took a brutal dump. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that for a variety of reasons was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 175 episodes for your listening pleasure. It's the beginning of the end. Da, da, da. Final season begins. One of the last 13 episodes we start off today. How's it, how are you feeling about that, Butler? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I really thought we'd be doing this forever. forever. You're more than welcome but to like carry also, on. <laughs> also making a ton of money doing it. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, that's uh pie in the sky thinking, Hey, you're more than willing to just carry on. And then I'll just, I'll, I'll fade away. And then I'll pop you know, back I've, in every once in a while. I've done solo episodes of I another know. podcast and yeah. uh, it's, it's not fun. It isn't fun. Dude, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it, it would depend. It, it depends on the podcast. Like this, this is the type True, of podcast yeah. that needs to back and forth. You know, like I've listened, I listen to podcasts where they're telling, you know, they're doing like it, like factual stuff and nonfiction or, or telling yeah, a story. Yeah, if it's notes yeah, or, yeah. yeah, story, yeah, that's different. Yeah, that would make sense. But yeah, no, this is about it's the whole premise of this podcast was a back and forth, which we kind of started. Well, I mean, we're already wrapping it up, so this is it. Uh, <laughs> this is the wrap up. Right, right. So <laughs> throw uh, the other episodes out. This is actually the last episode. <laughs> Fooled you. <laughs> we're ripping the bandaid off. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Today we are, but what's the, actually, I'm just going to tell the movie because, uh, <laughs> uh, because I'm doing the synopsis. Uh, today we are doing Living in Oblivion. Here we go. Independent filmmaker Nick Rave is making his feature, his first feature. Everything that can go wrong does. The rebellious catering crew refuses to replace spoiled milk. His actors are flaky and getting an unspoiled take is nearly impossible. Tension between lead actors, Nicole and actor Chad, who have just slept together, contributes to the many problems on set. As money and time run out, Nick struggles to complete this film. Uh, this is a shitty synopsis, and I'm going to tell you why. Because you only have to say is this. If you want to know how to make what goes into making an independent film, here's Living in Oblivion. Like, it, that, that, there's no need <laughs> for anything else. Because they're not even talking about half of these are dream sequences. <laughs> yeah. That's so, when everything was a dream. So I was like, wait, what is this movie? <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's so stupid. Uh, that, that, that synopsis is not good. Terrible. I, I disagree with the synopsis, but anyways, moving on living in oblivion has a runtime of 90 minutes. It's rated R production budget of $500,000 came out on July 14th, 1985, 1995, excuse me. Opening weekend. It did $47,000 domestic and worldwide are the same for it did not have an international release and it made $1.1 million. So it doubled its budget. That's not bad. <laughs> Production company was JDI Productions and Lemon Sky Productions, and it was distributed by Sony Pictures Classic. So I said it came out on the 14th of July. It went up against in a wide release, Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. 
I know you're a big fan of that. Uh, you don't remember that movie? Oh, that movie has that's the, f- the one with the submarine, right? No, that is Under no. Siege. Under Siege Two is on the train and has that awesome. Oh no, mo- I have seen the it second has that one, yeah. awesome moment and scene where Steven Seagal is running down the train as the train is crushing behind him is getting destroyed and like he's running but he's running at such a pace that it's like clearly you are not in danger of anything you're just kind of like arms are going <laughs> like it's almost like he's like i'm gonna run like this really tight and it's gonna be casual like it's really bad but it's it's awesome bad um under siege is a really good movie under siege 2 eh. <laughs> i've seen the first under siege a few times i've only seen under siege 2 once a long yeah. time ago yeah under, under siege 2 is uh you i'd say skip it but actually i wouldn't because it's to make fun so of. bad it's good yeah <laughs> you also had the indian in the cupboard and nine months uh the 21st of july the week after you had a wide release of free willy 2 the adventure home and clueless and the limited release of an awfully big adventure and kids have you ever seen kids butler yes yeah me too <laughs> that's all we need to say about that <laughs> on july 7th the week before you had species and first night and those were both wide releases so uh, i mean it's, it's kind of a late i mean species was a hit uh, and first night was popular. I don't know if how it did financially in the box office and free Willy two is a sequel. So it's going to do well. So, I mean, and so it was under siege too. So it's, uh, right. but honestly, this film living in oblivion is not, you can't really compare it to these movies. Cause it's, I want to say that even though this is a, it's released, it was July 14th. I think it was a limited release date. And I don't know why I didn't write that down. But, That's an um, independent film. I yeah. can't see it getting too wide of a wide release. Right, right. Uh, so this was written and directed by Tom DeCillo, who has done Johnny Swade, When You're Strange and Delirious. He's also uh, book, book, Box of Moonlight, excuse me, and Double Whammy. Cinematographer was Frank Prinzi, who has done all, most of the TV episodes for Law and Order's Criminal Intent. He's also did the movie The Best Man and Sidewalks of New York. Composer was Jim Farmer, who's done Johnny Sway, The Real Blonde, and Double Whammy. Edited by Dana Congdon and Camilla Toniolo. Uh, Congdon has done The Basketball Diaries, Someone Like You, and Dom Hemingway. And Toniolo has done Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, Infamous, and Game 6. Uh, produced by Michael Griffiths and Marcus Vicidi. Uh Griffiths has done Beyond Our Differences, and uh, Vicidi has done Wicker Park, The Last Kiss, and Fifty Shades of Grey, the series. Uh, he's produced all of those, or executive produced, I believe. That was a Fifty Shades of Grey, the series? No, 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 no. I'm saying the trilogy of movies. The Fifty Grades of Shades, Fifty oh, Shades of Grey. Oh, one, I got two, you. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what they're called. Aren't they called something like Darker Shade of Grey or something like that? Or, there is like a name yeah, for it, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I never watched them. <laughs> and so I don't worry about them. Uh, Steve Buscemi plays Nick Reeve. Is it Reeve or Rev? I think it's Reeve. I think it's uh, Reeve. Yeah, he's in Fargo, Reservoir Dogs, The Death of Stalin, and Wedding Singer. And he was in Miller's Crossing, which Miller's we just Crossing. did. Uh, Catherine Keener is Nicole Springer. She has been nominated for two Oscars, one for being John Malkovich and the other for Capote. She's also in The 40-Year-Old Virgin and Begin Again, which is a movie that we did many, many years ago, many seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dermot Moroni as Wolf. <laughs> He's in My Best Friend's Wedding. Young Guns and The Family Stone. Danielle, He's also in uh, D-Train. Briefly. You're right. The D-Train. Really, <laughs> qu- really quickly, though. <laughs> His cameo is great. Of course it is. Uh, Danielle von Zernick as Wanda. She's in La Bamba. She actually plays Ricky's uh, girlfriend. Uh, My Science Project and God's Lonely Man. And James Legro as Chad Palomino. <laughs> uh, plays in Drugstore Cowboys. Scotland PA, which is an episode we did. And The Myth of Fingerprints. Peter Dinklage as Tito. Uh, or Tito as, uh, don't they call it Toto? As Toto, Toto as they mistakenly call him several times. He's obviously in Game of Thrones, the TV show. He's, he's also in the movie The Station Agent. Cyrano and The Baxter, a movie that we did. 
Uh, Kevin Corrigan is assist, his name is just assistant camera. And he's in True Romance, <laughs> The Departed, Walking and Talking. He's also in Scotland, PA. And then finally, uh, Robert Whiteman as Ga- Gaffer. He's the guy that's trying to get them to do a script, I believe. Get Chad to read the scripts. Yeah, he's an American. <laughs> You're gigolo. a Navy SEAL. <laughs> <laughs> He's an, American, he's an American gigolo, stepfather three in the TV show, The Waltons. All right. Not a big cast. Uh, this is Butler's first time seeing this film. I don't think he, I believe you said you never heard of it, right? Never even heard of it. No. Right. I'm going to tell you off the bat, Butler. I love this movie. I love this movie so much that when I was watching it again, I was texting Adrian. I was just texting Adrian lines and he was just texting lines back to me. That's, <laughs> that's how much we love this film. So it's okay if you don't like it and I'm completely okay with it, but we're going to have problems if you don't. <laughs> but uh, t- tell me, tell me your, um, tell me your first thoughts. Well, I really liked it. I really dug, you know, obviously I thought it was just going to be straight up making, you know, an independent feature is incredibly hard and frustrating and a pain in the ass, you know, all those kind of things and everything that goes wrong during it. Cause obviously everything goes wrong during every shoot and rehearsal and everything that you do. Uh, but I really dug that it was a dream sequence uh, after a dream sequence. I was kind of disappointed when the last sequence wasn't a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. I was really hoping that it would just end with somebody waking up, whichever character it was, whoever's dream it was for that last one, waking up, getting ready for the shoot. I think mm-hmm. I would have liked that, but I liked the way it was shot. I liked the way it looked. I really dug the, uh, the stage kind of craft aspect to it. It was really a, a lot of acting going on and, mm-hmm. It reminded me a lot of the play within a play movie we did. Oh, uh, uh, noises off noises off. Um, but kind of the film version of that. So I really enjoyed that part of it. (laughs) Well, did you, did you see the note that this actually was a short film to begin with? It was written. So the first part, the first dream sequence is actually, was actually a short film or a short, I don't want to say a short film, but it might've been a, like a one-off, just like a, 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 one act play kind of thing. It was, it was, uh, it was for, and it was supposed to be for Catherine Keener. So Tachilla was doing this for her. And then they decided to, he just decided he wanted to add more to it and, 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 and add his other experience from, they say some of his experience, not from Johnny Swade, but from the second movie he did after Swade, which had, he had a lot of trouble yeah. getting, getting together. I believe it was box of moonlight, I believe. Yes. So after fil- after filming Johnny Swade, Tachilla got a green light for box of moonlight, but I guess it had, it was in many years of, turmoil obstacles issues of pre-production wise that he the short story that he wrote out of out of from his experience there was what basically became living in oblivion so it has some roots there i love that i also love the fact that it was only shot in 16 days like it just mm-hmm. feels like an independent film and it and it kind of mines that territory and it's a oh, lot absolutely. of stuff you know what i mean and it's a lot of stuff that i like that craft table in the beginning with all the, the food just laid out and it's just like super early in the morning. I'm like, I live that. And you're just like, yep, that's just, yep. <laughs> that's what it is. Spoiled milk. <laughs> Where's uh, Wolf? <laughs> uh, I just, yeah, I need a little, I need a little uh, something to cut the, the, um, what is he like? Some, something to cut the coffee. Something like that. I just need something. Cut the need coffee. A little, yeah. yeah. This, how can you drink this? It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Half milk. <laughs> <laughs> now, the other thing that sometimes comes out of this film that a lot of people talk about is that the Chad Palomino character is so everyone assumes that that's based on Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt and Johnny yeah. Swade because uh, the director, he did Johnny Swade with Brad Pitt. Yeah. And so they assume that that was just 
Legro is doing that, but it's not actually. It's it's Legro has said before that it's a movie he had just done before this film that he based a lot of what he was doing on a lot of mannerisms. And I tried to go back and find the movie that he did before this, but I couldn't. Uh, but because I was curious, like who he was mimicking. Well, I mean, if Box Moonlight came out after, even though it was or came out after, but it was filmed before, I mean, there's not too many like huge people there. No, Legros was. Oh, you're saying Legros he worked with? Yes, self was basically. Yes, on. okay. Yeah, it I was, was some, reading that note yeah. wrong. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. So you liked it. You liked. You, I did. You, I yeah. I liked all the things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very interesting the way it was shot and the way it looked. I mean, I don't think the, the, the dream aspect part of it, I really don't look into it in terms of making sense too much. I mean, it kind of does. She falls asleep in the bedroom and she kind of thinks about all that other stuff that happens with, with Nick. Uh, I'm talking about um, Catherine Keener's character, Nicole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she wakes up and then she gets to the set and the set is this, the third one is, you know, uh, you know, the actual, I guess, scene, like what they're trying to do and kind of live them right. in real life. Um, Although it's ha- kind of, I do actually, now that I think about it, I like that the third real, what they're really doing is filming a dream sequence. Dream sequence yeah. I just got that. I just got that. <laughs> this was actually the first film or, and I think it's, it's probably his first film. The first one that I, uh, Peter Dinklage, I've seen him in. And it's I, his first credited role. Cause right. he kept avoiding roles that use dwarves mm-hmm. as dwarf characters. But it's, it's, I, I always, always love when he flips out on Nick at the end. <laughs> you ever had a dream about it with a dwarf in it? I've never even had a dream, <laughs> fucking dream with a dwarf in it. Yeah. I mean, I, I always, he's like, oh, oh, look, look, oh, look, there's a dwarf in it. it must be a dream sequence. And then he just walks off. <laughs> so I, I always, I always love that when he flips out on Nick. It's just great. I love Steve Buscemi in this film. I, I, I really love everybody in this film. But the, the funnier lines, what I was laughing at the most was the stuff between Chad and Wolf when he was just always like going back and forth with him during that the second vignette. And he wants to wear the eye patch because oh, Wolf, yeah. Wolf was wearing the eye patch because he hurts his eye. And so it, Wolf, he doesn't have it anymore. And Palomino turns around, he's got it. And he's like, hey, that's my eye patch. And he's like, I think it works better <laughs> with me. And then he brings him my because he brings him over. Nick brings him over. He's like, hey, man, I want to say this for the Wolf. This is the director. He's like, put that like, I patch makes you kind of look gay. He's like, really? And like, so he, cause he's an actor. He's stupid. Right. And then he's just like, oh, thanks man. Oh yeah. I, I see it. I totally see it. And when he's like, oh, come on, we'll feel shoot it. But I always laugh when he's like Lobo and he's like, Ooh, he starts doing that. Cause he keeps calling <laughs> different wolf names. <laughs> Ugh, ridiculous. It's, it's awesome. I, I, I don't know why that makes me laugh. Just his, it, just, just Chad, just the way Ch- James Lugro plays uh, Chad when they he sleeps with Nicole and him sleep the night be- sleep together the night before, and they're like, right. and she basically listens to a one time deal. He tries to play it off. Oh, hey, all right, yeah, no, yeah, and he goes to set, and then when he sees Nicole, he's like, hey. How did you get here? Like he can't even act in real life. Exactly, I can't even lie. <laughs> I love hey, all the things he's trying to do. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, go th- go through that because I my the, when he's when he lays in the bed, he's hiding behind her, and I'm just like cracking uh, yeah, up the elbow. <laughs> yes. So first he misses his mark because he doesn't want to move in on his line. Mm-hmm. So they're supposed to dolly in on on a certain line, and he goes, he moves in before. Yeah. So they lose him. And then he decides to sit on the couch and then he, or lie on the bed. 
And well, then they see, change it and they're like, all right, right. Well, we'll do that. And she has to turn around. So you're only seeing the back of her head. And <laughs> Nicole's realizing how ridiculous it is. And then he starts stroking. I love when he starts stroking her hair and he's just pulling at her hair. It's so obnoxious. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God. I have I've worked with actors that are that bad and they're uh-huh. like trying to find like, oh, can we try this? Oh, I, I really want to try this. It's uh-huh. just like, shut the f- No one wants to hear this. Well, and he starts off by he says like, hey, you know, how about I do this? And like, yeah. And then he totally does. And he disappears like when he's behind yeah. her and all of a sudden they're like, and eh, action. And he just disappears from the scene. He's delivering his lines off frame. And and like <laughs> I look because I have been there. When, uh, when they call cut and the director, Nick, it's like, Hey man, Hey Chad, what happened there? Like, I've been there with that. Like they say, like, so what's going on there? What are we trying to do here? And she's like, I don't know, man. I'm just trying to shake it up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All, all right. And you're trying to work with them. You're trying to figure out, okay, okay, let's, let's work. Let's work it out. But they're just not, they have no idea what they want to do. And they, it, yeah. And then I, but I love the fact that he's basically the one part when he's hiding behind her shoulder doing the lines and she's like, yeah. And she's just like turning and he's not there. And she's just like, what's happening? And then then (laughs) the first time he just pops right in, sounds like champagne talking. (laughs) It's so bad. Uh, What's what makes it even worse is the blocking in general. What Mm -hmm. they were supposed to do was really bad too. Mm -hmm. Cause the the kiss is so awkward. Even the the first take they do where he's got to move her head with his hand. It's just like, uh, and then obviously she flips out on him and just starts calling him an asshole. And I'll do the take. <laughs> and so what's great about that is like, they're like, Hey, let's just improv. He's like, yes, only way I know how to work. Only way I know and how to can't work. Improv at all. And he can't do it. He's just sticking with the script. Sounds like champagne talking. And then she's like, no, 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 no. no. You, 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 you're so, you love me. Just <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh, and then obviously that just the scene derails and has one of the best lines of the film. I, I, I even though I just said I had one of the, my favorite lines, that's one of the best. The only reason I took this part is because someone said you were tight with Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> I love you hostess Twinkie motherfucker. <laughs> what did you just call me? <laughs> I'm so tired of that Hollywood hostess Twinkie bullshit. You know, I want real you films. Know? I want to do real films with real stories. I'm, I'm a serial killer when Ona Ryder falls uh, in love with Nick. And he's a, an ex convict murderer or something that's sleeping with Michelle Pfeiffer and the one he just did or something. Yeah, yeah. And then, the, and I, I talked about the wolf stuff, but like my little favorite line in that part is when he's got, the, he turns around with the eye patch. Or no. When after the eye patch, Wolf gets the eye patch back and he goes, let's, let's shoot this fucker. Let's shoot this motherfucker. And he's like, let's shoot this motherfucker, Wolfie. And he's like, kiss my ass. Yeah. And he's just <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, but let's go back to the first vignette because we kind of we kind of jumped into the second one with Chad. So the first one, it deals with Nicole and she's trying to do a scene with her mother. And you get the idea that, and this is Nick's dream. And Nicole is struggling because the scene kind of resonates with her because it has something to do with her mother. They kind of have a flashback when her mother's dying and she's there at the, at the hospital a little bit. Yeah. The moment in that scene, like I can relate to completely, is that in the rehearsal, she's fantastic. So she's trying to do the scene talking to her mom about, you know, how her father abused her and how come her mother did it. And, and her mother's an older actress. And she's like, Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. And then they, they can't get it. Everything keeps the, 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 the boom mic comes in. Oh, the boom mic. In the frame. <laughs> Was I in You're the hole left of the frame? <laughs> Yo, I asked for a frame line. <laughs> <laughs> with this, with this giant clock necklace. Yeah. Um, you know, and then it's, and then when the old, the older actors couldn't remember 
the uh, dialogue and you had Kevin Corrigan as the kisses the camera's like, Ellen, I have no memory of this line whatsoever. (laughs) 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 So I love that too. But then obviously uh, she has something happen. So they're rehearsing and the older woman caresses Nicole's hair and it reminds her of her mother and they do the scene in rehearsal and just Nick, is sitting under the camera and he's just like, what? he's like looking around like, what? Where, where, this is perfect. Why isn't anybody shooting this? It's just, it's great. Yep. <laughs> of the two dream sequences, which is there one you like in particular more than the other? The second one goes off the rails and is more funny, but the first one I feel like is more true to like the experiences I've had uh, just like as an actor or, or working with actors or seeing actors try to get into a character and like, worry about not being good or worrying about finding you know of all the actors i've i've worked with that have trouble a bunch of times and get the take is connecting a real experience to try to emote it mm-hmm. so i i really enjoyed that that she's trying to find it and then she finds it and it's like a snap and then she's able to do that scene and all the little things that go on like the the truck blaring its music out mm-hmm. like the rap music comes out because uh, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, stuff set. is like yeah <laughs> all that stuff's like very realistic mm-hmm. to me like that was a little less off the rails and a little bit more like what it's really like those small frustrations that really just nag at you and nag at you until obviously nick goes insane uh i also like that beeping as part of his dream because i've mm-hmm. had numerous dreams like that where my alarm goes off and i mm-hmm. it's part of my dream and I love that he can't figure it out. He's like, where is this fucking beeping coming from? <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's they're the both, both dream sequences. Like they both that the second one with the explosion of the main actor, that's probably more a, like that doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen in some regard a lot of times, but also it, that seems like a more like this happened one time. I'm going to write about it. You know what I mean? Like just kind of like, right like a memoir type thing. The first scene, the first dream sequence, like you said, is more pretty much what's standard on an indie set like that. Like, you know, shots, you know, you wonder why the take six, seven takes to get something. It's not just because you can't find it in the take. It's because stuff happens. Boom. mic drops in. It's not like you say sound, uh, you know, it's not a closed set, just, you know, a, a bulb explodes, you know, stuff like that. Like it's just, Oh, after it's they not, tell Wolf not to mess with the lights again, too. Yeah. Just, no, do it. Okay, let's, let's go. What's funny is that, like, that's just Adrian. When we used to shoot stuff, he'd be like, I just want to do true care. I'm like, how long? How long? Five, <laughs> ten minutes. So he said that five, ten minutes ago. <laughs> like, it's like stuff like that. It's always, like, give me ten more minutes. Let's just, you know, I have to be like, no, no more. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I say that and I, I'm not complaining. It's, it's fond memories of that. Um, so that, I think that's part of it. That's the other part of this movie that I think why I like it so much is early nineties. I was doing stuff. This was the, one of the, these are one of the movies that I was watching when we were making movies and we we're telling stories. And it was just, it's very like, uh, I, I don't want to say that, you know, I look at this film in rose colored glasses because I really think this is a, a really good movie. So mm-hmm. I, it's not one of those movies that I'm going to make excuses for why I like it. I just think, I think anybody that is into filmmaking should watch this movie because it's, it's, yeah. it's basically what the expectation is and it's perfect. And I love the fact that the director, he asked everyone to work for free. He didn't want to beg people for money to produce it. You know, all of them agreed to do it. Some people put money up front. Um, you actually have two of the producers in the film. So the, the two producers I mentioned before were Griffiths and Marcus Vassiti. Now Vassiti's, there's another, there's always other producers. Those are just the two main producers yeah. that they kind of put in there. But Griffiths is actually the audio guy. 
So the guy that's sitting there doing the audio and doing oh, the, really? the okay. saga, he's one of the producers and the script girl, uh, Hillary Guilford, the one that is, that has the glasses, that has the suit jacket. That yeah, is yeah. Basic, yeah. That Chad kind of hits on a little bit. Her, I saw that uh, she Wanda. was, yeah. So they're producers oh, yes. as well. Chad, yes. Oh, your lines were, your line's perfect. <laughs> what's I that? Love when, he, when he comes in the, when he comes in the between them and he's like, what's that I smell? Oh, that's like one of my somebody favorite parts good. of Chad. Yeah. yeah. Somebody smells great. And then the sugar in the coffee. Yeah. Let me put some sugar in here. <laughs> I like jazz. Do you like jazz? All right. We should go tonight. And then he just walks off and yeah. drops the spoon. <laughs> So he's great. He's really good in it. Like he's really, every, I really love everybody in this film, but he's really good. Dermot Mulroney is really good. It's such a good film. Uh, and it's got such like little moments like that, that you don't really catch maybe on the first time. There's other, like if you, if you watched it again, you'd probably catch other things in this film. Like there was stuff like, and I wasn't writing it down, but I wanted to where you heard the, you were hearing people on the audio on the, uh, over the uh, radios, but you were, it wasn't part of the movie. So in the beginning, the truck shows up, where do I park the truck that kept going? Like where people were like talking, you just hear like, where do I park the truck? Like, where's the truck going? And like, you know, like stuff like that. Like there was like stuff going over the radios that was just, nobody was responding to <laughs> and just kept hearing it. So I thought that was great too. So that then the third one, we talked a little bit about, uh, it's actually the shooting a dream sequence, but it's real life, uh, with Peter Dinklage and the mother. Now, now you realize that the older woman that was in the first dream of Nick's is actually Nick's mother. And then yep. she shows up on set because she just shows up. Like they just, Oh no, she was in front of Nick's house when the, when the driver uh, was there. The driver goes to pick up a notebook, finds right. the mom because the mom had escaped the assisted living home. She was living in. Right. Right. So then you meet her and, and she kind of is the one that saves the day with the holding of the apple and, and stuff like that. <laughs> After Tito walks out. Right. Well, those happy accidents that we always, uh, maybe I've, I probably mentioned a couple of times while we've been doing this podcast uh, or anybody that's done movies, there's little happy accidents that happen where the sunlight comes just in at the right time, or you have a perfect shot to set it up. And you know, that's, that's probably a, a, a really good illustration of that, of that kind of aspect. Um, I, 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 I caution myself to ask this of you because I don't want to know an answer to this, but what didn't you like about the film? <laughs> Um, if if there was anything, because I don't, there's nothing in this film that I don't like. I'm, I'll put it right. I, I was not. It's short. It's to the point. It, yeah, I, it, it made me laugh throughout the entire movie. Yeah, the uh, same with me. I like how it's shot. I love that the first dream is black and white when the behind the scenes stuff color uh, on the film. The flip I back like and that forth. The next, yep. Yeah, the next dream is black and white film color in real life, and then the actual sequence is just color color. Like, I, I love those choices. I think that's great. I love the characters. Like you said, it's short. It doesn't meander. It doesn't take too long or or go off tangents. Mm -hmm. You know, there's little subplots like trying to give Chad script and Chad trying to sleep with the girls. and Wanda you know, and Wolf the, breaking up in the third one. Wanda and Wolf breaking up and Nick and uh, Nicole kind of sort of having a thing for each other. But it never right. really gets, and I guess the mom in a little bit, in a, in a way. It never gets muddled and it's always part of the main plot. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it all works really well and it's really well acted and it's funny. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I can't think of anything I, I didn't like. <laughs> well, that's good to know. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, I'm, gl I'm, gl I'm glad <laughs> that you did that, that you enjoyed it. 
Do you have a negative? I mean, I no. can't really. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I, I mean, I, I always caution about saying films are perfect, but I almost want to say that this movie is perfect at showing how imperfect it is to make a movie. That's, that's a great tagline. In fact, if they want to take that for the DVD <laughs> criterion, that's fine. You don't have to credit me. I think that it's just, it shows just how messed up and chaotic independent film is. And, uh, you know, we all love, and, and I've always talked about on this podcast about how much I like indie cinema and indie film. And that's, I think it's because there's people that are even like, not just like consider like the movie that they're doing is in the, in the movie is an indie. So it's for low budget, less money, but those people are there for the art. Think about how, when they're doing this movie, living oblivion for $500,000, people are working for free just to tell this story. I think that's why I like it because there's an earnest, there's an earnestness to the telling of the story and the story it's, itself is just something that these are people making, telling a story for no money, not for the fame, not because, you know, they're Instagram followers or you know, because they're, you know what I mean? Just stuff like that. Not because, or because anything, they know Quentin Tarantino. Right. Exactly. I mean, I get it. They all want to be superstars. They all want to be, you know, rock stars and celebrities and all that stuff. Get the um, award for best human doing anything. Right. Award. Everybody <laughs> has those stupid dreams, but you still, but when you don't, uh, you know, 95% of the people in the business don't achieve that level of success, but they keep going back to doing movies because there's, they can't get, they can't stop telling stories. You know, the, you know, I, I mean, I know like I'm sitting here and I'm, t- I'm, you know, someone says like, Hey, do you want to make a movie? Yeah, I'm going to make a movie, but like, I don't have any, I don't have any dreams that it's going to be like, Oh my God, this is it. I'm done. This, every, all my dreams are going to come true. No, it's, I want right. to tell the story. And I think that, this movie highlights what it takes to, to tell a story like that, but also why these people keep coming back to it. And it's just so, it's so honest. It's, I don't, it, I like it. No. So there's nothing negative I have about this film. I think that if you, if no one has seen this movie, please watch it. I could watch this movie right now after we're done recording. I could just go put it on right now and watch it again. That's how, that's how much <laughs> I like it. That's how much I just, I know I'll keep laughing. Cause I was just laughing the entire time in the movie and I hadn't seen it in 10 years. Maybe. Do you think that's seen- where the gas or the oil goes? <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's where both of them go. <laughs> yeah. He's right. One third, one third gas, so two thirds oil. Everyone's always, everyone's always an expert. Um, <laughs> that's bringing me back now. That's pretty 1985 compressor D 1985. All right. All right. <laughs> and how about all the time when we talk about we're on set with the lights and we talk about, uh, you know, I, we don't say sometimes you say flame on, but there's, there's other terminology that people use, but when yeah. the light blows, you flame on asshole. Oh, like the, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Sorry. Flame on, flame on. <laughs> Lines are completely <laughs> <at> the beginning. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, there's it, these movies that when we like a movie a lot, there's really not much for us to say in terms of critique. Um, so I imagined this was going to be a short episode and I don't care. I don't mind that because the movie's <laughs> short and, and quite honestly, I, I, I think my biggest takeaway is I'd want people to turn this off and go watch it again. So after you listen to us talking about how much this movie is fantastic, go watch it. I'll let you talk about why we think it's forgotten and I'll chime in because I'm probably going to have the same opinion, but why do you think it's forgotten? Well, first and foremost, it's a movie made in the mid to early nineties. And as we've learned it's a forgotten time, much like certain periods in ancient Egypt's history, just <laughs> completely erased. Well, we could we found from it. Digital it, memory. It, it was available. That's true. It's it's one of the few films we were able to find, and it's an indie film, so that's surprising. It is on Peacock. Um, 
But and I so, think a so lot of the other- that's surprising though, because so that's a, it's a Sony film. I wonder if Universal owns the rights to it now. Maybe that's why. That would be my guess. Yeah. I think that it came out. I mean, it's competition. I don't really think competition can kill it. It probably didn't come out in that many theaters. I'd like to see maybe its widest release. I don't think IMDb has that information. I think it's it's also it's also specific to filmmakers. I think I think it's not that a, it's not a true. it's not a film that would cater to a large crowd, and they might not appreciate it as much as people who are in the business. But I don't think that's a negative. I just think that just it, I, I, this is a type of film that one million dollars of a five hundred thousand dollar budget is is pretty good. And I would be interested to know what its home box office take was. You know how, how well it does because it's a very funny film, but it's gonna hit home for people that have experienced working on independent cinema and not yep. just in the city. Yes. There's a lot of things that, that are relative to in New York city, but, but anybody it, who's grabbed a camera and tried to work with people. Right. But it's, it's very, it's very reminiscent of like Butler says, anybody that's ever tried to do this. It's funny because you, Hey, let's make a movie, but you don't ever think about, I got to feed people. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so you don't ever think of that. So when you get a craft service table, it's usually just junk food. Just sitting there and coffee. Coffee is the and biggest thing. Milk um, from a week ago. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and nobody wants to work craft, craft services. Nobody wants to do that. But, you know, so that's why it's not really attended to properly. And that's why you have you have like a really crappy station wagon car that the guy's driving everyone around in. And, you know, and he's and he's a weirdo, you know, but it's like that's just what it he's is. He's weirdo, but he's very enlightened. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Hey, you make movies, huh? Like stuff like that. Sounds like you're having a crisis of character. <laughs> <laughs> and you always have the one guy. It's more than one guy, but there's always that one guy on set who's got a script that he wants the actor to be. I'm going to show it to him at lunch. Okay. You always have that guy. I love, you want to shoot it? Yeah. You ever shot anything before? No. You got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> like I but, like that conversation because it's like yeah. real people have those kind of conversations. Absolutely. It happens all the time, all the time. And I wouldn't be surprised if people that are why that go back and watch this film that were one time making movies, if they watch this, they'll probably be like, Oh man, I want to, I want to make a movie. I want to do another one. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if that popped up with people and they wanted to do it again. Um, because it's it definitely, even though it's chaos, it's definitely a chaos that you, that a lot of filmmakers want to get back into. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't mind why it's forgotten, honestly. Um, I think it appeals to a certain crowd like we talked about. So I'm cool with it, not with still staying forgotten, except for people that are making films. And if you, I think I would suggest this to people that wanted to watch something funny, but also knew about the, about the world of independent cinema. I, I think this, this is like required watching for anybody yeah. who wants to get into the world. Absolutely. should be, it should be in school. It should be in film school. Abs- should show, I'm surprised uh, yeah. I didn't get shown this. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I'm glad you liked it. And um, like I said, I love it. So why don't you tell everyone where they can find us? You can find us at Forgotten Cinema uh, podcast. Podcast, podcast.com <laughs> or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. While you're there, check out all the other great podcasts and video content we have for you, uh, including some short films uh, and web series that Field and I have made, where, where shenanigans <laughs> sometimes happen. I will say Field's craft service table has never gotten anybody sick that no. we know well, of. Well, I'm not going to drink spoiled milk. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, go check us out there. Give us a like rating review. All that good stuff helps our podcast. And, uh, that's all I got. Fun fact is when we're shooting and I'm on set, I don't eat because I just, I'm too, I'm too focused on other things that I forget to eat. And then I'm like, Oh man, I'm starving. So, you know, you won't find me at craft service stealing any food on you. So if you work for me, there's plenty of food. (laughs) I just never eat. Like, it's just like, I'm just like walking around. Like, do you have anything? I go, I can't right now. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. 
coffee until lunch. I'll drink. I'll do coffee. I'll do water, but I just won't sit down and you eat. Do lunch. I just, no, I know, but I have to be. I have to be like, hey, we're eating. Like it, it I have yeah, to be told. Cook it, yeah. Right. So, um, but yeah, but that's a little side note on how I work, I guess. All right. So then join us <laughs> next week as we're going to season 16, the end, the last season rolls on. We're going to, when is this made? 1990s, another 90 film, right? Yep. Or early 2000. I forget. Uh, early 2000s. Was it early Those, 2000s? It was released in 2001, mm-hmm. filmed in 2000. All right. We're doing the movie Frailty, Bill Paxton's uh, directorial debut, I believe. Or, you know, he directed it on his debut, but uh, we're doing Frailty. I've not seen this film in a while, so I'm interested to see if I still like it um, as much as I did. But uh, that's next week. Until then, have a great rest of the week. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema.